Our scripture for today is Acts 1, 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Amanda. Well, I'm, I'm really grateful. I, I had heard that a lot of people in the church were not going to be here today, so it was like, Lord, it'll be interesting to see who's here, and the Lord brought a church, so it's good to, good to be together, and we're, I think in two weeks, we're going to start handing out these books, Gentle and Lowly. So we have uh, the publisher of this book sent us 150 copies for free, which is really kind of them. And we're going to, in August, start a sermon series where this book will be a part of it, where we'll, we'll read through this book together as a church for the month of August. So we're gonna, we'll hand it out in a couple weeks and just kind of want you to make room for, in your life for this book. <laughs> and when I say we're going to start like preaching and stuff, it doesn't mean it's like, well, we've been preaching the Bible, but now we're going to preach this, you know, which kind of sounds like, are we going to, is it like now we're preaching like Charlotte's Web instead of the Bible? Like what's happening? <laughs> and what is beautiful about this book is this book is scripture. It's, it's you could even call it a systematic theology uh, is a fancy word that basically means um, what the Bible says about a certain topic what the Bible says about another topic. So you would turn to a systematic theology book if you wanted to know what the Bible taught about angels. And there would be a whole chapter all about angels and everything the Bible says about angels in context. And so what's beautiful about this book is this book is what Scripture says about the heart of God, about when you just, without him saying anything, without any of his backstory, anything that he has planned for us, just what is the heart of the Father? What's the heart of the Son? What's the heart of the Spirit? And so, so just to let you know as you hear about it, it's like, are we not preaching the Bible anymore? It's the, so the sermons will be very much about Scripture, but as it relates to the heart of God. And so just something to look forward to. And um, if you've read it already, I would ask you to read it again in August as <laughs> we all read through it, because I think it would be good just to kind of have one of those poolside books to pick up and to have it stir our souls and, uh, and, and just the things that Jesus says about himself is, is just really amazing. So um, today is interesting because I think one of the things about the 4th of July is we have freedom, right, is, is a very key part of today. Freedom is a huge element of, of this day, that, that the freedoms that we have, and ultimately, really, why it's the 4th of July is this was our day of declaring our independence from, from Britain, from, from England in 1776, right? Uh, then the fireworks, you know, it just made me think, like, it's interesting that that is something that we use, and I think it kind of shows 
uh, war and how a lot of times battles are fought for freedom. And then, and then also just like the power, right? And that's like some of you like the, the fireworks that's just the boom, right? It's like, hey, you thought this was going to look like my shirt and be a floral tapestry. And instead, it's just a boom, right? It's just like power and freedom seem to be this like hand-in-hand thing. Power and freedom, power and freedom. And so it, today, one of the things we're looking at is power and freedom and, and how these things interrelate. And looking back, so if we were to look at the history of the world, looking back, interestingly, you didn't see a lot of power and freedom together when you looked at like the Egyptian dynasties. You didn't see a lot of freedom. You saw a lot of power that led to powerful people using their power to build pyramids, using their power for their own selfish purposes. And really, Earth saw its first truly free people around 1500 BC. So it wasn't until 1500 BC that I think you could say on planet Earth, there are an entire people who are free. And that was the exodus of the Jewish people. So they had been enslaved in Egypt so long for hundreds of years. Uh, Then they were led out of Egypt. They formed this country known as Israel. And it was the birth of a kingdom that was unlike any kingdom or any country that had ever been seen before. Women, children, all men, regardless of income, everyone had access to prosper. Everyone had access to God. All had access to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. All people did. And, and even scholars and historians look back and said there was no nation on earth until God led his people out of Egypt and led them into their own country, and not just for their good, but he even says throughout the Old Testament, this was to be a light for everyone, to see how they could be free as well. It was revolutionary to planet Earth. No other civilization had seen all of its people as free people before. The founding fathers of the United States of America took notice and actually, like, surprisingly took a lot of notice as they were crafting the Constitution, as they were even drafting the Declaration of Independence, that surprisingly the Exodus and the nation of Israel played a really big role. Uh, Look at John Adams, was the second president of the United States. Listen to this quote uh, from a letter that he wrote in 1808. John Adams says, I will insist that the Hebrews have contributed more to civilized men than any other nation. If I were an atheist and believed in blind eternal fate, I should still believe that fate had ordained the Jews to be the most essential instrument for civilizing the nations. They are the most glorious nation that ever inhabited the earth. The Romans and their empire were but a bubble in comparison to the Jews. Isn't that fascinating? Of of how much, and there's a lot of examples of how much the founding of the United States 
was a pursuit to try to reflect the same type of freedom that they first saw in uh, coming out of Egypt and going into Israel. And so then it was on this day, July 4th, 1776, that the 13 United States at that time unanimously declared their independence with this incredible sentence that was written, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So our country was founded intentionally with a view of personal freedom for all people. Was it done perfectly? Absolutely not. And it was founded in a way, though, that its imperfections would hopefully be worked out as freedom was sought and continues to be sought for all people. And so this was first found 3,200 years earlier in the Exodus. The Exodus and the ensuing nation of Israel would be a light for all people. And both Israel and definitely the United States of America would be eclipsed by a kingdom that would never end a king who would never stop ruling, a prophesied kingdom, a perfect country, a truly perfect country would be coming. A truly perfect king would be coming that would not just be a reflection of Israel. So in some ways, it's like the United States of America sought intentionally to try and be a reflection of Freedom at that time, the French Revolution was happening too, and the French were seeking freedom at all costs. So even if it meant an entire people had to face the guillotine, so be it, if I can be free. And then our founding fathers were rejecting that idea and saying, no, we will only be free if all people can be free. Now we're doing it imperfectly and was a reflection, but that's what they were fighting for, and that's, I think, what many continue to fight for is freedom for all people. And what we're seeing here is that both of those are, are a imperfect, and almost like when you see the back of like a tapestry, or you see the back of, of some painting or something where you're like, oh, okay, I think that, and then it turns around, you're like, oh my gosh, that is stunning. And what's stunning is that we are doing reflections of what's to come, and what we are seeking is His kingdom, and Him as the King that's coming. And Isaiah 42 just gives us a picture of what this is going to look like. So Isaiah 42, starting in verse 1, Behold, my servant, this is God writing of, uh, of the king, the coming king and his kingdom and what it will look like. Isaiah 42, starting verse 1, Behold, my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. And man, like even in the news today, justice is so desired in our country. Like, justice is just passionately desired in our world. 
And God is telling us that his servant, whom he loves, will have the power from the Holy Spirit, the second person of the Trinity. He will have the power where justice will come to the nations. Not just to one, justice will come to the nations. Then verse 2, he will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break. Many of us feel like bruised reeds, and we're nervous maybe to place ourselves into the hands of our God, thinking, well, maybe he'll break me. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Those who are hurting, bruised, will not be broken. He will be gentle. If people are just barely hanging on, a faintly burning wick, he won't snuff you out. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Verse 4, he will not grow faint or be discouraged. How often do you just hey, I was really passionate about political things for like 30 years, and I'm just done. I'm just, I'm just done with all that stuff. Change doesn't really happen. True change doesn't ever really work. Um, I'm just going to be done with this. And then here of the coming king, and the king says, he will not grow faint or be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his law. He doesn't run out of energy to bring justice to the earth. He isn't losing. He isn't discouraged. Then verse 5, And thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, old and and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. This is the coming king. This is his coming kingdom. In his kingdom to come, we're covenanted together. Our unity is a light for the nations. And the church, the church is like an embassy for the coming kingdom. we, We are ambassadors ambassadors for Christ, and the church is like an an embassy with those of us with dual citizenship, citizenship of the United States of America for many, citizenship in heaven for those who have given our lives to Jesus, Um, that the church is this embassy for the coming kingdom, a light for the nations. His power opens the eyes of all forms of blindness. His power opens us up Light shines in all areas of darkness. Prisoners of darkness are brought out of the dungeon. All the while, the prophecies of Isaiah 42 are more and more fulfilled in our time. The perfect king is building his kingdom. It will one day be perfect. It's forming, 
the kingdom is breaking into our world, and the disciples, so as Jesus is doing all that he's doing to show us he is who he says he is, the disciples are like, oh, gosh, this is happening. Like, this is happening. You know, like, and then the, there are even some of his disciples that are like, okay, when this all starts, am I going to be sitting right next to you? Like, am I going to be second in command? Like, this is all going down right now. And they are, like, so excited for the Roman Empire to be overthrown. They're so excited to see this, these prophecies come about. They're so excited to finally get to, to where the nation of Israel was this beautifully imperfect thing. And they're like, man, we're going to see the true king ruling in the true kingdom. Sin will be a thing of the past, will be who we were made to be. And like, is this happening before dinner? It, like, it, this is now, this is like, let's, let's do, do I need to pack bags or am I just good? You know, like they are eminently ready. They're yearning for this to happen. So in Acts chapter 1, they level this question when they come together and they ask Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Not will you restore the kingdom of Israel, will you restore the kingdom to Israel? And in their mind, they're not thinking that there would be people in Iowa <laughs> that are worshiping Jesus. That they just had no idea the, the, the breadth that Jesus was thinking. Had no clue what he was here to really bring about. They had a very small view that Jesus was going to just, within the small country, just let it rip and not realize that he was actually on a mission for the entire world and to set up a kingdom that would spread to everybody. And so here they're, they're wondering, is it now? Is this happening right now? Is your power going to connect with freedom for all of us to be a free people? So verse 6, so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Verse 8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. So what he tells us here is you're not privy to know the full timetable of the kingdom. And they're asking him, hey, it, is, is this happening right now? He levels really bad news to them, which is, I'm not even going to go there. I'm not even going to talk to you about when to put it on your calendar. I, I'm not going to share that information with you. It's a, it's a very negative thing that he told them. Very disappointing. The kingdom is not being fully inaugurated right now. No ceremonies, none of that stuff. And then, if you look at verse 8, so it says, he says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power. That, so verse 8 starts with, with the word but, but you will receive power. Just as a reminder, this is not written in English. So this has been translated for us 
to be able to understand what's being written. This was originally written in Greek. So um, as Luke is writing the book of Acts, he is writing in the Greek language. And thankfully, Greek is a little bit more nuanced than English. And you can say a lot of things in a shorter word. So sometimes we'll have to say a sentence where they, in just the way they wrote a word, can be powerful. And that's why a lot of people say like, oh, it's Greek to me, because it's, it's really concentrated language. And so one of the things about that word but there is that there, are, I think, are about 12 ways that you could say but. And uh, you know, like, we're going this way. Um, I'm using a word as a conjunction to bring you back this way. And so, so there are some ways that are like, it's like a lazy Susan way to turn around, you know. And then there are other ways that it's like you could get whiplash by being yanked as far back the other direction. And so this conjunction is the strongest way that you can say, I know you're wanting to go this way, but then you're over there before you know it and trying to recover from getting there. It's trying to pull you away from that idea as strongly as you could get pulled away from that idea. And that's the word that was, that was written there is that I know that you're wanting the kingdom to start, but let me tell you something. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. They'd like to receive the kingdom, and instead you're going to receive power. That's what you're going to receive. You want to receive the kingdom, but you're going to receive power. And we learn here that the use Every you in here is plural. It's meaning all y'all. All y'all are going to receive power. Each of you are going to receive power as the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And then we'll be his witnesses in Jerusalem. And if you looked at a map, you'll see concentric circles. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Iowa. You know, it just keeps going out and out saying... The power of the Spirit will come upon us, and the witness of what will result from that will just go out like ripples as a rock drops in the ocean. And I love here that God thinks of us as witnesses. We aren't just people who hear stories about Jesus, like, hey, can you, I'm going to share with you a story. Can you share that story with somebody else? Can you share that story with someone else? And then everybody will hear the story. No, each of us individually are witnessing the power of God. And I know that there are people in this room who could tell stories and stories and stories, not that they heard from other people, but stories of witnessing the power of God. And we're witnesses of him convicting us of our sin. We're witnesses of him showing us that he's real. We're witnesses of him showing his grace towards us. We're witnesses of his forgiveness. We're witnesses of him transforming our lives. We're witnesses of him healing parts of our lives that we never thought could be healed. He empowers all of that. And then he actually empowers our sharing that to other people, the salvation that Jesus offers them as well. He does this in easy times. He does this in hard, hard times. He's an all-the-time God. And uh, so one kind of just would we receive this, would we embrace this, is this idea that we're spirit-empowered witnesses in rural Iowa. Like, that's one of the reasons we're here. We are in spirit-empowered witnesses in rural Iowa. 
And man, I think like if I, if I were to say, hey, we're, we're gonna start a, qu- like a quota machine at Sacred Mission Church, and you are forced to, to share with three people every day about uh, the stories of Jesus or something, you know? And I think it'd just be like, it'd just get weird real fast. Feels weird to even say that. And it'd just be like, oh, no, I've just, but if it's like, you know what? One of the reasons that God is doing the things he's doing, like he's doing it because he loves you. He's changing you because he loves you. He's pursuing you because he wants to pursue you. It's not what, what you can do for him. He, he just loves you because he loves you. And some people have never experienced that before. Is someone just loving you because they love you? Period. And that's how he treats us. And then he's just like, hey, just let, let people know what you're seeing. <laughs> let people know what you're feeling. Let people know what your experience of him is like. You don't have to write a paper. <laughs> you, know, you, you don't have to come up with all this stuff. It's just like, just let people know what you're seeing, what you're experiencing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing. That's it. That's it. You'll be my, my, my witnesses. Being a spirit-empowered people means that we're empowered to truly witness to our community about, about him, about, um, and we're not spokesmen. We're just witnesses, witnesses of something. And man, that like, I'm quick to do that, like uh, being a part of like watching Hannah play softball all season. You know, I mean, there have been some really cool moments where, you know, as soon as I get home, I'm like telling everybody, like, you can't believe what I just saw. Like, this happened, and this happened, and this is so close, and if this would have happened, this would have happened. And, you know, I wasn't like sitting down preparing anything. I was just witnessing what I'd seen and just sharing that with other people. And, uh, and the Lord's like, hey, this will be a joy for you. It'll be a joy for other people. And one aspect that we get to witness is we get to witness his power in our lives. We get to witness his power in our lives. Check out Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. So basically this is life without any power from the Holy Spirit. Okay? The works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, this does not mean if you have ever done those things, you can't inherit the kingdom of God. This means that people are like, hey, that's who I am. That's how I am. That's how I'll ever be. That defines me. Those verses define me. Then that doesn't define someone who is going to the kingdom of God. What defines someone is saying, that used to be me. That used to define me before I met him, before I met Jesus, before he saved me, before he forgave me, before he changed me. And now he is teaching me a new way to live. And he's empowering me to a new way to live. And that we see by what is called fruits of the spirit, okay? So in some ways, think of us as like a tree and we are planted in Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gives us these nutrients 
to empower our life to walk with him, and then you walk up and you start seeing fruit forming on this tree, right? Like when I walk up to my pear tree right now that's covered in pears, or I walk up to my peach tree and I see it's not healthy, my thought is not like, oh, I need to spray something on the fruit to make it healthier, right? My thought is I need to do something in the roots so that the fruit will be healthy, right? And so as we are rooted in Jesus and as the power of the Spirit is, is, is empowering us, verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is why we should never be a church of people who are trying to be good. We can't be a church of people who, like, the end of a message is like, so try harder. And then next week it's like, guys, try harder. Then next week it's like, try hard. Am I not saying try harder? Let's try harder to be good moral people. Are you trying hard enough to be a good moral person? Instead, would we be a church that is empowered by the Spirit, where we see that the works of the flesh are decreasing because our reliance on the power of our God and our reliance on the power of the Spirit is increasing. As John the Baptist said, I must decrease so he can increase in my life, the fruit of the Spirit increasing. This happens to those who belong to Christ Jesus, who are having their flesh crucified with its passions and desires, making us witnesses of his power in our lives. We witness his power in our lives, and we witness also his power in our community. So think of it as like we witness his power in our lives, we witness his power in our community. A lot of places we could look to, but John 16, if you want to text yourself, John 16, 7 through 13, write it down. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking. It is to your advantage that I go away. I mean, just hearing those words would be like, this is ridiculous talk. Jesus is actually saying, it's good for you that I leave. I mean, who wouldn't say like, like John Pelham, would you like Jesus to be with you all day tomorrow? Hopefully everybody would say, yes. You know, it's not like, well, let me go away and pray about that and let you know if I'd like my Savior to be next to me all day tomorrow in the flesh, eyeball to eyeball, you know, riding next to me and all that stuff. Jesus is saying, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. 
and he will declare to you the things that are to come. And man, I just think of our community, like having Jesus say, hey, when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. It's good that I go because he's coming. He is going to help our community. He's going to convict our community of sin. And I mean, we've talked a lot about people saying that Collins is the meth capital of Story County. Uh, we've talked a lot about just, just different addictions in our community. And man, my heart is not, let's get everybody out of here that's like that. Let's drive them away. Let's, you know, like find a cliff somewhere by here and push them over, you know. Like my heart is, Holy Spirit, would you convict them of their sin in a way that they are empowered by you to find freedom? Because the times that I've been living in ways that I thought was making me happy by things outside of Jesus ends up feeling like a prison feels like a treadmill you can't get off of, a hamster wheel, that you just can't reach that thing that you're yearning for, and you got to run faster after it, and you just get tired, worn down, and not fulfilled. And it's like saying, yeah, it's good for me to go so I can send the Holy Spirit who will convict the world of sin. And I'm like, Lord, convict our community, not to rub our community's faces in it, but that our community would see the face of God as they're convicted of their sin empowered to learn the Word of God, the promises that God has given them, that the Holy Spirit would teach them the Word of God. So an amazing witness that we get to be is we're witnessing Him changing us, and then hopefully we get to witness Him changing our community and see Him on the move in our community and be like, man, I, I, get, I get a front row seat to this I get a front row seat to what he's doing here. Uh, so a few questions for us. As we, we just kind of turn into like, okay, Lord, what I, I don't want to play at church here. I want to meet with you. I want to meet with your people. I want to be changed. I want to walk out of here locking arms together for the mission that you've called us to, to be missionaries here. So just one just clear question to us is, are you a witness? Are, are you a witness of the power of the Holy Spirit to change? And you might say, I don't really know what that means. Well, if you put your trust in Jesus, who gave his life for you so that you could have a free life in him, and it's the only prayer I know of that God says, I will answer it immediately the first time it's ever asked, is he says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to walk down the aisle. You don't have to give money. You don't have to. All you have to do is say, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. Thank you for giving your life to me. Thank you for setting me free. Thank you that you have remove my sins as far as the east is from the west, you teach us. You wash us white as snow. And you can say, I'm, I'm witnessing his power. He's, he's doing this to me. And it was when I was in 1997, I first, I had been feeling the weight of my sin. And it felt like just a, a whole bunch of bricks just on my back. And I just couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. I knew God was real and I knew I wasn't his. I knew I was on the wrong side. And I heard Romans 5, 8, while we were yet sinners, 
Christ died for us. That was God demonstrating his love for us. And, and by his grace, I gave my life to him. He gave me his life and set me free. And I was able to witness that and share that with my parents who then gave their lives to Jesus later on. And, and, and man, I think just a question for each of us, of, am I witnessing these things? Am I a witness? And if the answer is, I don't know, I'm not sure, that can be an incredible prayer. God, I want to be a witness. I want to witness your work in my life. I want to witness your work in those around me. Would you allow me to be a witness of you? And then the second question is, is the helper helping you? Is the helper helping you? I think sometimes it's like, well, Jesus is probably busy. He, you know, I want to be a good Iowan where I never have to ask for help. And even in the deepest blizzard, it's like, I got this. Go help somebody else. I've got this. Like, I'm, you know, it's, we are like some of the most self-sufficient people. Like, the zombie apocalypse has no chance of victory in Iowa because we, are, we have way too many guns and we're way too self-sufficient, you know. And for us to see eternal fruit, for us to really experience genuine change, the helper has to be helping us to go to places that, that our own, like, we can't, there's just stuff you can't get at Menards for your soul. Like, there's, there's stuff that you just can't go that deep. And that is, Jesus says, I'm actually going so I can send the helper to help you. It's like, we, are we feeling more sensitive to our sin? Or are we feeling less sensitive? Is it like, man, things that used to bother me that I would sin, don't bother me anymore. I just go, go like full steam, run right into it. Well, you're, you're being less sensitive to the helper helping you. And man, like it's totally okay at Sacred Mission to not be okay. <laughs> but it's not okay to hide it. Because if we hide it, we're all going to just start playing church and become religious people. But if we actually help each other be helped by the helper. I think I said that right. <laughs> so if we help each other be helped by the helper, maybe, like, we've, we've got a shot here to really be witnesses and to see our community transformed. And then third, is your life showing spirit-empowered fruit? Um, and I would just look over that list of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Don't feel any shame. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We've been set free. We are sons and daughters of him. No shame, no condemnation, but there can be a, Lord, would you grow me here, here, and here? I would love to see fruit in peace. I would love to see fruit in goodness. I'd love to see fruit in gentleness, Lord. I'd love to see fruit and self-control. And I don't want to try to manufacture that. I want you to actually empower me, teach me, counsel me, help me to actually live that out. Because I don't want it to just be an appearance of that. I want it to genuinely be a person of self-control. I want to genuinely be a person of patience. I want to genuinely be a person of peace, and that could only happen by you doing a radical surgery in my life, in my heart, in my soul, and I want to witness that. I want the people around me to witness that. I want our community to witness that. 
Um, so can I kind of pray along those lines and see what the Lord does? So Lord, I do ask that we would be a spirit-empowered people. Would that define, would that be one of the defining traits of our church is, is not that any of us have the strength, that any of us are, the, are the, 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 the deal, the thing, the reason for, for transformation, Lord, that, that it would just be so crystal clear that, that the reason any of us are changed is because of your power changing us. Lord, would we be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea? Would we be witnesses in Collins, in Maxwell, in Baxter, in Colo, in Nesco, in State Center, in Rhodes, in Melbourne, Lord, would, would we be your witnesses in Cambridge, Lord? Would you, would you just allow us to have the joy of being your witnesses, of witnessing your work in our lives, of you empowering our freedom? Lord, we want to be free people. And if, if being free means giving our lives to you for the first time, oh God, would they come home running would they refuse to leave this place until they have you forever? Lord, would you do that? Lord, would you change us? Would you empower us? Would you fill us with your joy? For your glory we pray, amen. We, uh, his idea for us is communion his way of saying, hey, commune with me. He, he has told us, Jesus has told us, I will do this in person, face to face with you at the wedding feast of the Lamb one day until we do this together as, as brothers and sisters. We, we come to the table. We commune with him. So we have wine and juice. Obey your conscience there. Uh, we have, uh, that represents his blood. We have bread representing his body. Um, who's serving it today? Do we have, take your hands? Okay. Would you, John and Larry, would you guys mind coming up and sharing? Okay, so they'll, they'll put gloves on. Um, and so, uh, yeah, feel free to come on up as I talk about this, but they'll put on some plastic gloves. Uh, then what they will do is as you walk up to the table, they will tear off some of the bread and just hold your hands out like this and they will place the bread in your hands. They'll, they'll say to each one of us, make eye contact with each one of us and say, the, the body of Jesus given for you. The body of Jesus given for you. And let that become a sacred moment because the body of Jesus is given for you. <laughs> and then we'll take the elements the bread and the wine or the juice, and then we'll go back to our seats, and then we'll take it together as family. So uh, you can hold on to that. You can pray. You can worship. And then what we'll do is um, w one of the warnings in Scripture is not to come too quickly to the table. Sometimes the Lord wants to talk to us about something, get us our, our attention about something. And so uh, very natural to to spend a little bit of time just praying. Um, if there is just some radical things that it feels like the Lord has brought to your attention, maybe areas where the fruit of the Spirit feels really far from you, and maybe there are some relationships that even you need to seek healing in those relationships in a really crucial way, that it's okay to abstain from coming to the table. It's okay to say, you know what, I think I need to make some relationships right. I'll come next week. 
to the table. So, so that is encouraged in Scripture. If you are not at this time a follower of Jesus, it's encouraged, don't come to the table, come to Jesus. Give your life to him, and then run to this thing, <laughs> and uh, run to him. And so, so let's spend some time seeking him, and then let's come to the table.